This is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 48, July 3rd, 2023. This week's Baldy is Eratosthenes, a Greek philosopher and mathematician whose work, much of our current understanding of astronomy and geography depends on. So we salute Eratosthenes for his work. National Day Celebration, July 3rd, 2023, the Feast of Peter and Paul. Peter and Paul were two pillars in the church, and much of their writings we have in our New Testament. And so we talk about uh, their, their life and their ministry and what it is about their example that we as Christians today should emulate. This day in history, July 4th. 1776, the Continental Congress approves the Declaration of Independence. We talk a little bit about some of our favorite ideas in the Declaration of Independence, and we would encourage you, our Baldy Buddies, to go ahead and read it for yourself. Even if you've read it before, take some time over the next day or two to uh, remind yourself what July 4th is all about. We talk about the interview with our high school students who went on the mission trip to South Dakota. This upcoming Sunday, July 9th, at Wyatt Park Christian Church, new generation singers will be in attendance. They will be doing a sermon and song, so we look forward to celebrating and enjoying that time with all of you, our Baldy Buddies, and those who will be in attendance. Friends, thanks for joining us again, and now let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love Sharon. About their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regale from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the biblical. Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. What's up, fam, and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitsfield, brother. Good morning, my baldy brother. How are you? You had had an interesting weekend. Yikes. Yikes. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to home ownership. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been the, (laughs) the blessing in it all is when you own stuff, then you get to take care of it, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. And so I've been looking through, uh, looking through sort of the the difficulties and saying, you know, we have something that we can put elbow grease into and, and take care That's of right. and, and take pride in. So yeah, we had uh, for was it when what day was that? Was that Friday? Yeah, Friday night. Uh, yes. Storms rolled through St. Joe. We had the tornado sirens go off like six times or something just for the the wind speeds. So they, they never said that there was a tornado, but uh, it rained. I don't know. Did you guys get like sheets of rain at your house? I mean, was it we, pretty crazy? I mean, it was raining. I didn't really notice much until uh-huh. next day when I got out and looked at how much debris had been like flowing through yeah. my yard and mm. down my French drains and different things. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much fell at our place, but it was a lot in a short amount of time. And our basement door... There's a drain right outside the door, and I remember being told by the neighbor, "You're going to want to make sure this drain is is clear." Uh, and, and I and and actually, a f- like two months ago, I was mowing the lawn and I saw that there was some standing water because some leaves had had gotten stuck in the drain, and so I, you know, cleaned those out of there. And so I knew that there would be standing water, but I didn't think there was that much actually that had collected down there since I'd cleaned it out. But apparently there was just enough. enough. 
because once we we went downstairs to put our our cat sleeps down the basement and so was trying to lead him downstairs and he did not want to go down to the basement <laughs> and so and I didn't know why it was so weird mm. until I stepped foot down on the landing at, in the basement and like squish you know all this water and I walk in and I see the standing water and it it didn't cover the entire basement you could see you know I mean as level as a concrete floor can be you can right. see which way the water flowed right and it went underneath our staircase onto the other side of the finished basement we got this carpet that's kind of like the carpet in my office it's, i mean just it's, that low berber yeah kind of carpet, you know yeah. so it's really easy to get the moisture up but you know we couldn't really do anything until the next morning i mean so we took right. brooms that night and kind of got as much out the door unclog the drain and then the next day was pretty much going back and forth between here and the house you know getting water out of things and so now the question is do we um do i just rip up the carpet because that smell is not going to leave unless we Mm. shampoo the carpets and i don't know if it's worth the time and the energy to do that so probably not so we will we will see but um yeah so but what you guys anything for your weekend ours was uh well, we had an anniversary. Happy anniversary, yeah. Thank you. How many years? Um, 15. 15? Nice. We just did 15. So it was, well. it was it lo- was it was pretty low-key. Yeah. Um, again, we kind of helped with the church basement, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also had Thanks for your help with that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, and then I think we took the boys out to lunch. I went, no, I had Crumbly Burger because I wanted to try oh, nice. It. Yeah. What'd you think? So What's your I, opinion It was great. Yeah. It was like in Wichita, yeah. we had New Way. Yeah, New Way is um, awesome. So the boys did not try. It's weird. They both like cheeseburgers now, uh-huh. but they didn't. They're like, ah, oh, loose meat. I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> it's like seriously like a hamburger patty, just It's just loose. crumbly. Yeah, you There's get a little no bit sauce, in your wrapper no, at the end. Nothing. Yeah. Um, but they went with the corn dogs. So it was so funny. <laughs> they didn't want to go there. Yeah. And then I was like, well, they've got corn dogs and their kids meals include an ice cream cone and they're like okay we'll go try it now. might as well yeah um so yeah sarah and i both thought it was worthwhile and awesome. then um their ice cream their kids cones are like reminded sarah of what they call creamies yes up in vermont yeah where it's like if you order a large right it's going to be like a foot and a half tall mm. coming off of your cone and yeah. so they hooked it up over there nice. so yeah and super nice family that seems to be running it over there so a great yeah. local place yeah. we would we would do it again crumbly sure. burger yeah it's a great crumbly i mean burger. it's just a humble little little joint but yeah and it's got a good history in st joe okay used to be downtown but then sarah like she kind of got a cold that set in that that evening so we didn't do much okay else um she's just getting over it and i think my son's have it now so okay i think cindy was She's yeah. battling something, she, so yeah, something's going around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we did that, which was fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary to go. you. Baldy of the week, Erastosthenes. Mm. Erastosthenes. There you go. I'm gonna. That's it. Mm-hmm. He was an ancient Greek scientist born in the town of Cyrene, about 276 BC. Um, Cyrene, then a Greek city, is now the town of Shahat in. Libya. Okay. Uh, he was educated in philosophy and mathematic, mathematics in Athens, and so I thought we'd give him some career highlights here. Um, he produced a reliable logical method to discover prime numbers. The uh, sieve of Eratosthenes, uh, in an updated form, is still important to modern number theory. Um, in about 240 BC, he calculated the Earth's size with good accuracy. Uh, this was a moment of triumph for the human intellect, first to recognize that our planet is a sphere, and then to use powers of observation, deduction, and mathematics to calculate its size. Uh, he produced the first map of the world featuring meridian lines and parallel lines, which would be similar to our modern lines of latitude and longitude. He invented uh, the armillary sphere, and for 1,800 years, the most important instrument in astronomy for determining the positions of mm. celestial objects. Um, he also rejected the commonly held view that people could d- be divided into Greeks and barbarians, and he thought people should be judged as individuals on their good and bad qualities. Hmm. So, yeah, I thought, wow, for 276 BC, he kind of wow. set us up for some things here. Um, interesting guy. So, I, I just are you a fan of either astronomy or geography or both, and why or why not? I would say both because it is something that is way above my pay grade. Mm. And so most of the time when I see something, especially astronomy, I'm just I'm just in awe of 
sometimes there's things that I'm like, how do they how do they know that? Mm. You know, and and so sometimes you just have to take it by faith. And other times you could just say, well, even if we don't exactly know that, it's still like even with all the mysteries that there are in sure. in astronomy. Sometimes just the mysteries are better than even having all the answers as to what this is or what this is called or how it works. Sometimes it's just like, mm. man, this this creation is just astounding from from the from the smallest level, smallest cell that we can't see to uh, the the wide expanse um, that <laughs> you know we right now our our best telescopes aren't getting us to to the edges of of the cosmos so. <laughs> yeah astronomy is fascinating and i guess it's it's one of those things where if you didn't have tv and twitter to stare at mm. all night yeah. and all you could do is look up at the sky you'd probably make some observations yeah yeah um right and so if you think of just staring at the stars at night and i know growing up in hawaii it was fascinating to to know how much that helped like navigation of the seas oh. um, and how necessary mm-hmm. it was yep. Uh, for people to understand astronomy in order to know not get lost at sea. Um, so that was always kind of a fascinating subject growing up. And then with the geography, I mm. think the more, the older I've got, the more interested I've, because usually it's just like looking at maps and you're like, what do I care about this or that? But like <laughs> yeah. as I've, as in missions, I think is what got me interested in geography mm. because really I found that geography really does shape like a people and a culture. Yeah. So if you've got certain rivers or mountain ranges or, um, different kinds of soils that grow certain crops that really does kind of shape how people live and think. True. And so geography, what I realized, has a huge impact on culture. Mm-hmm. And in fact, probably one of the primary uh, things that shapes a people and a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always thought that yeah. was kind of, the, the, I guess the more I've studied it, the more I've been kind of interested in um, that that subject matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. if you think about the maps that we hold in our hands today, we are the recipients of maps that, um, I mean, we just don't think much of it. We just take for sure. granted that we have a system where we can know where we are at at all times. But before, I mean, at, this, at the time where Erastosthenes was alive, you had, I mean, in order to, to know what was what and where things were, people had to explore people had to get out of their comfort zone people had to people died to create maps that would have been handed down to you know like a we smaller didn't have little map view. yeah right yeah. <laughs> isn't that just crazy yeah. i mean you think about all of our technology today and the technology that erastosthenes did not have and his contemporaries mm. and yet they put forward these thoughts and and i think a lot of it's just their like simple observations mm-hmm. That they just recorded their observations, and and then we've been relying on those things. It's the backbone of so much of what we just just take for granted today. Mm. And so and it's, it's amazing what like math again the power of observation applied mm. with applied mathematics, yeah. like the things that people were able to discern and figure out. Very true. And again, a lot yeah. of that gets chalked up to a computer now for us, and so yeah. we don't actually have to do it in our noggins. But I'm so thankful it's for true. guys who. Who did? And who so, showed us what the human brain is capable, capable of? Capable of, seriously. We, we'll probably never know what the human brain is capable of in this day. Was that great article? We're more Google in awe of stupid. AI than we are of our own brains, which is pretty sad. But <laughs> yikes! Dude, have you played with AI? Totally a little different bit, subject. Little bit, you know, just kind of like the. I probably the only thing I, I appreciate about it is the uh, like the art generator kind of stuff. Oh, okay, because that's stuff that I really I'm not good at at artists. Sure. you know, doing renderings and stuff. But then I have friends who are really good at that kind of stuff, and they're like, "So you would rather AI do that than you know give me a little project to do?" <laughs> so, and you're like, "Yeah, he's going to be cheaper." That's Sorry. right. Yeah, if you can, right. if you can, Matt. Terrible. Yeah. Yep. I know. It's, well, hopefully they're not <laughs> able to do sermons. That's, well, I was going to say, I mean, people are writing AI-generated sermons. I've heard about that. And they'll basically put, you know, the, the text or like the theology, like write me a theology, a, script, a sermon on, you know, the crucifixion or whatever. And so, yeah, there. I mean, there are programs that are doing that now. And I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just gonna resist that as long as possible, and just my yeah. You gotta fact check it because I've I've I have I've looked at it just to see what yep. it does, and it's like it's interesting because yeah, it's whatever inputs it comes, it kind of yeah. synthesizes and, yeah. and puts the output. 
And so I think one of the I was watching a guy on on YouTube who does um, he basically does like summary of denominations. Okay. Yeah. So like to help people just understand, okay, what does this denomination believe, and mm. how does it compare to this or that? Yeah. Um, and so he did. He was he was using AI and asking it questions that related to some of the videos he had done previously, just to to see how how well did it it do. And it was actually surprisingly pretty accurate. Um, accurate. Yeah. He had some things that he would beef a, with a little bit, but he he was. Um, Kind of impressed. So it's kind of like interesting. It's really going as the information out there on something good or bad because yeah, that's what it's going to get back. I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. But I guess if you don't have an expertise, you don't know. That's true. That's the danger. That's true. Yeah. First. Yeah. Gosh. But Oof. Anyway, AI. Um, National celebration: the feast of Peter and Paul on July third, twenty twenty three. So the Feast of Peter and Paul is observed on June 29, but is sometimes moved to the following Monday, and this year it'll be held on July 3rd, which is today for us. This yes, is it, today. Yes, today. The official Colombian public holiday is a liturgical feast that honors the martyrdom of the apostles Peter and Paul. Its origins stem from ancient Christianity, with the date being significant as it is the anniversary of either their death or the translation of their relics, meaning the moving from one place to another. Mm. Um... Peter, they probably weren't killed on the same day, so um, that I know of. Yeah, it, but so it was either one or the other. Just kind of combining the they're, two. They're combining they're the two pillars. Huge, hugely significant figures in the early church. But Peter was said to have been martyred around 64 A.D. during the reign of Emperor Nero. His death was by crucifixion, and since he was not, uh, since he was not a Roman citizen, considering himself unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus did, he requested to be crucified upside down. Mm which I hear is more painful. Hope I never find out. Uh, Paul was said to have been martyred during his time, uh, this time as well. He was beheaded and buried in Rome outside the walls. Mm. So when you read the New Testament, I mm. thought it would just be t- uh, good to talk about these two guys a little bit. What do you admire most about Peter and Paul? They took up their cross and they followed Jesus. <laughs> what they did. <laughs> um, yeah, that was whether them or other early martyrs mm-hmm. and apostles. When we talk about proof of the resurrection, that's one of the things that we point to is that there was a, a clear belief in the in the physical resurrection of Jesus that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and Jesus didn't appear to Peter and, mm. and the disciples and to, to Paul and others that who in their right mind would go to such great lengths to um, to deny themselves mm-hmm. and to take a message that was false you know if you know if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead who would do that and so i, I think that's one of the things that we can appreciate is is um, they lived in a world and, and that's there there are christians around the world today who their conditions of christianity mm. are more like peter and paul's than christians here in america mm. <laughs> and so you know i mean we we have our struggles yeah. and we have our own they're unique to us sure and and us taking up our cross is going to look a little bit different than Christians in. We're not know, hanging upside Colombian. down, yeah. on it most it, of the time. But. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's the the thing that immediately sticks out to me. What about you? Uh, for that, I think like they're. I think both of them in their story like understand the depth of God's grace, mm. and I think that's actually what drives their tenacity. Yeah. So if you think yeah. of Peter, right, who denied Jesus thrice. Um, and again, post-resurrection gets to have a meal with Jesus on that, that beach. Something something happened. Yep. Something flipped. Yep. Um, I think when he stared at Jesus and experienced like forgiveness oh, wow. um, in, it, in its fullness. Yeah, right. Um, and Paul, right? So on the road to Damascus, he's off killing Christians, yeah. and he has that Jesus encounter and really mm. understands God's grace. Um, and God doesn't just levy justice against him, but actually brings him into the fold and empowers him to be a minister and herald of the gospel. Yeah. I think both of these guys under, understand grace, and what they don't do is just sit on it. Like, oh, God forgave me. Yes. Wonderful. Let yeah. me just you know, punch my free ticket to heaven right. and sit on my can. That's not, that's not what grace did for them. It actually motivated them to survive beatings and floggings and eventually these like horrible deaths 
all for the sake of the gospel. And yeah. so for me, it's just that reminder that grace, if I really understand grace, mm-hmm. I should be motivated to carry that message forward. Yeah. And again, these these difficulties that we encounter, um, if, if, if they're giving me pause, what I need is to go re-understand grace again. True. And how much I've been forgiven. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I love that about these guys. Mm. Um, how did we get from martyrdom pretty much being the standard mm. of faithfulness? Mm. It's like you mentioned, the early church. It's, yeah. I think John of the Twelve is the only one who's not technically martyred, but he sure. was like boiled in He's oil still... and then left on Patmos to die yeah. um, on a right. penal colony. So, I mean, <laughs> if that one doesn't count, uh, that's the best case scenario if you were a disciple of Jesus. Right, right. Um, how did we get from that to theologies like the prosperity gospel? Mm. The translation of, you know, like the Greek into other, other languages, mm. you know, going into... I don't know German, you know, and English. When we read the word "witness" in the testament in the New Testament, mm. it goes back to the Greek word "martyrios." Mm. You don't have to be a scholar to know what "martyrios" mm. means. And of course, when we think of martyr, sadly, you know, we we think of like extreme martyrdom, sure, like in the Islamic world or any other religious fanatic. Yeah. Who who does great damage as as a martyr? Who's I'm going to fly a plane or I'm going to you know strap a bomb on myself? That's not what the early Christians did. They right. in their martyrdom they received what was coming to them and counted it as a privilege to to be like Jesus in his sufferings. Hmm. So it's, it's almost as if Peter wrote something about that, Jeez. and perhaps if Paul. only he penned that one down. <laughs> right, exactly. It was that, was that in his his uh, his epistle, Peter's epistle. Oh, yes. Uh, and then, of course, Paul talks about you know the joy of suffering with Christ too. Yeah, that list just, in was it First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, I think. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I, I think you know as as we've gotten part of it is again it's it's a cultural thing. Um, we're probably not the only humans in history who think that to be martyred or to be persecuted is to be to be cursed, mm-hmm. and maybe that's what we've we haven't understood mm. from the new new testament's writings is that when we receive opposition and experience whatever opposition that comes our way something has shifted in our mind to think that that means um that that God has abandoned us or left us as opposed to us saying no now like we are standing as close to Christ mm-hmm. as we ever will you know, and I mean, and I say that as one who hasn't suffered, yeah, <laughs> much at all in my life. No, absolutely, you know, so. I'm I'm with you. Like, I, and I, I mean, again, in my and heart, I'm still to. like, I don't want to. <laughs> but it is funny, like, so the the conflict between Jews and Gentiles in the early church might be issue number one, I think, as far as content mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Yeah. But this idea of not abandoning the faith mm-hmm. in the face of persecution and suffering is yeah. is a close second it is. for sure. I think, yeah. And that's what that's what surprises me about how these false gospels flourish. I I mean I get it because as a human I want sure. I want to follow Jesus and that only result in yes. material blessing absolutely and goodness for me that's that right. would be wonderful. <laughs> I just don't know what Bible people are reading. <laughs> right. That's that's the exactly. issue I have because every yeah. page is. Right. Again, the whole, I think the whole um, epistle to the Hebrews is this mm, thing, like how superior is. Jesus is. Do not run back to Judaism yeah. because of the persecution you're facing, because Jesus yeah. is superior on all fronts. Yeah. And for just, what is it, 14 chapters, he mm. hammers this idea home. Um, I mean, all the ones where, like, Paul's in prison, and I think pleading with the church is like, yeah. don't abandon me or think that God has left me because I'm in prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm mm. in it. Um, and so I just don't know how many letters you could get through with that issue not coming up. If it's not the issue sure. or a main issue, it at least surfaces in some way or other, probably in every book yeah. of the Bible. And so it's just interesting mm. how how comfortable we've gotten or we're okay with the idea of, oh, that's for those Christians across the the oceans sure. or yeah. uh, those missionaries who are willing to, to get out there and get it when I think it yeah. was kind of the mm. standard expectation of a Christian. Again, that's not going out there and, and being people who are annoying who we have mm. to get persecution or suffering, but that just idea that by living a Christ-like 
faith out into the world would result in anything that wasn't that. Um, yeah, it's just I, it's an expectation we shouldn't have. Again, I'm kind of enjoying it while sure. while we're in a world. Yeah, but it's also a sign to me going, am I? Am I pushing myself to again understand grace and go out there and and really yeah. engage people with the gospel that the way that these guys did because of their their again that depth of understanding of God's grace? Yeah. So Peter and Paul, man. Yeah, I tell you, that's 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 a good good reminder, especially as we're coming up on on July Fourth and we're celebrating yeah. freedom, you know. But maybe for us, the question is. What is the freedom that means most to us? Is mm. it freedom in Christ, freedom from sin and death, or is it freedom to to speak my mind without fear of retribution? Yeah, you know, um, which is nice. But yeah, and I think I, I guess one of my challenges with this feast would be like I, again we celebrate these guys and what they did as as models, but not to like make them into heroes, but sure. to go they're just. Yes. I actually think they're examples of what the Christian life is supposed to look like. Yes, for yep. everybody with the Holy Spirit. Yep, that's. Yep. Which, again, I'm going to go be convicted now. <clears throat> All right, this day in history, speaking of the 4th of July, yes. July 4th, 1776, Continental Co- Congress approves the Declaration of Ind- Independence. And so I thought we would just, uh, again, I got copies for us here to look at. Yeah. Um, was there a favorite line or concept that came out uh, of the Declaration of Independence for you that you just enjoy? The, the one that everybody loves, you know, we hold these truths to be mm. self-evident that all men, and of course, probably back then they were talking about like seriously, like just just men, <laughs> but you know, uh, are created equal; that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, these are you know the most well-known. But then they start talking about right after that that when any oppressor whether government or dictator would come in and deprive people of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Mm. that basically it is then our duty, our right to do what we can to absolve ourselves of of that rule, basically. Mm. But one of the things, as as you keep reading in that, is um, just in the immediate sentences after that, it's not like, you know... We, we just throw off all restraint at the first thing that we don't like from from a government or from from a president or king at that time. Sure. You know, but then they talk about, you know, as humans, we've been able to endure suffering <laughs> and to and, and, and abuse. Um, and so then this one of the sentences is, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations, so mm-hmm. the, so they're basically saying, you know, don't just revolutionize um, for for one or two things that you right know, that vote didn't go my way or he made one law that I didn't like <laughs> exactly where I had to pay a little more tax. Yeah, they're yeah. talking about like these these over and over and over and over again abuses. Um, and then, of course, then that's what follows in the Declaration of Independence are these. I haven't counted them up, but yeah. you know, basically, all it's 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 like uh, Luther's ninety-five theses. Yeah, you know, he's it's like this is what the King of England did uh, for a period of years, and and so we're we're just not going to take it anymore. Mm. It, it's gone on too long, and we've and I think here's the thing is we've exhausted. Everything that we can do in our power to make things right between us and the king, and mm-hmm. so they're saying this is our last, mm-hmm. our last option. I know that it was that, and that, well, because my second question was things that we maybe forget that are in there, mm-hmm. and I thought that, that for me it was that list, right? Yeah. I, so, he, so he makes <laughs> this great claim, right, of the repeated injuries and all those things. Yeah. And I, that's the line to prove this. Let facts be submitted to a candid word. Yes, and that's where he starts <laughs> yeah. the list. Right. Um, were there any of of those that just really jumped out? Uh, at you, I was going to say some of those you really have to to, to dig into and, and and read with with a clear mind. Um, obstructing the administration of justice, um, mm-hmm. denying you know uh, the right to be heard, the right to have representation, um, and then when people were called to to come to court, it was like a journey. Like they were called to go back to to England, and so it's like the king. Uh, did everything in his power to 
to, to really make life miserable for, for the yeah. colonies, for the people there. Yeah, this, he called together le- legislative bodies at un, uh, places unusual, yeah. uncomfortable, and distant <laughs> yeah. from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose yeah. of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. Yes. Like that, like <laughs> that one was really that's great. And then I, uh, one of the other ones, um, he has made judges dependent on his will alone mm-hmm. for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. Wow. So, yeah, I could mm. see how justice would be difficult if all the judges are worried about their yeah, paycheck. Absolutely. Um, and then the next one, he erected a multitude of new offices and sent Heather swarms of officers to harass people and eat out of their substance. Mm. Small government guys. Yeah. I kinda like and that I idea. mean, even before this Declaration of Independence, you know, he has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. You know, so here you have uh, an abuse of power by, by a king who obviously doesn't care uh, about his subjects across the ocean. And, and so, I mean, we could read in the Old Testament about how God feels about people in power who mm. deny justice to, to those who are powerless and mm. dependent on them. And so, yeah, in, in, this, in this case, um, I mean, there are, there are certain things that through the years, the, the Declaration of Independence has come to mean different things for many people. And, and really, as, as a Christian, you know, as I read the idea that um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, um, that... I would say life is an unalienable right, <laughs> but the one you get past that, liberty and the pursuit of ha- I mean, it, technically, yeah, the pursuit of happiness. I mean, but then I like, thought again, originally it was property. Which one? For uh, the happiness. Oh, was that? Like I, the original I don't know where language? I heard that. Okay. So it was kind of this idea that you could mm. have land ownership. Gotcha. Okay. Was and I, I don't know when that got adjusted, um, but yeah. Mm. So, um, so I was listening to something this morning, and I just want to throw it out there because I got I got to yeah. go research it a little bit more. Sure. But a guy named Andrew Wilson, a pastor, scholar, historian over in um, uh, I think London, um, he was talking about a change that got made by Ben Franklin uh, before this got kind of fully ratified, and so Thomas Jefferson sent him uh, a, a copy, and it was. We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable that all men mm. are created equal. Mm. And so Ben Franklin changed it to self-evident. And what Andrew Wilson was arguing was this was actually set up what we're experiencing as a post-Christianity. Mm. Um, that that kind of language is really very much enlightenment. It is. Um, yeah. That and, up and, to the self. And his his uh-huh. point, his, yeah, his point is going. It's actually not self evident, right? Because hu- humans it's for not. thousands of, of of years have not done this, and in fact, right. these guys probably fifty years ago didn't even necessarily uh, <laughs> believe what what they're saying. And it was more of a limited understanding of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, that that change was significant to hmm. going. It's actually setting up not a Christian nation, but a post Christian nation. Yeah. That these ideas Already. are Christian. Yeah. Yeah. But in the document, mm. they're actually crediting the source of our own intuition. And it's mm. interesting, too, that the governments instituted among men deriving their powers from the consent of the governed, mm. That there's another one going... That gives it back to man instead of Instead of God. God. Now, God does expect uh-huh. governments to be just sure. and not to oppress and all right. of those things. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. yes, where do they derive that authority from? Is it yeah. from the consent of the people or from God himself? And so, yeah, it, right. interesting, some of the language right. might have seed a post-Christian thought um, that we're, I think, f- experiencing in its fullness yeah. um, now in Western culture just from some of these ideas. So, a- anyway, his, mm-hmm. he's got a book coming out um, in September that I'm going to read because I was, I was just – he had me intrigued. That's I mean I I like that that's an interesting thought to to think through I mean yeah uh, like if if government gets its power from the people then basically what the people want then the leaders are accountable to what the people want solely but do we want a government where the people get to say what we want or is it the people saying. You know, God is the one mm-hmm. who has established authority, and this is the standard this for how authorities right. should should treat their people. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I love democracy, and I and I think it's it's a it's it's a grand experiment, but I think the 
our view of of humanity's ability. Yeah. Um, We're selling ourselves probably a a little higher than we should. Yeah. What is the Jack Johnson lyric? If uh, we only receive what we demand, and if we want hell, then hell is what we'll have. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, that's the ultimately that I guess the double edged sword of, of, of that reality. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah. Declaration of Independence is mm. an awesome document. I mean, yeah. Thomas Jefferson did have a way with words, and I know there were other men involved in that, but I know they kind of tasked him as a young man to, um, as a wordsmith to kind of do that, and then they they tweaked it. But um, yeah. So it's interesting to get into the tweaks that happened. And so yeah. I've been watching sure. a few things, I, and I'm not an expert yet, but I think I'm going to, I might spend a little time Dig this into summer that. digging into that. A little bit. So there you go. Sweet. This day in history. Declaration of Independence. Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Yeah, happy Fourth. Yeah, that's awesome. And what do we do to celebrate? We blow off our fingers. <laughs> Spend a lot of money, man. The, I tell you what, the economy and inflation must not be that bad because I tell you what, we are spending records amount of money every year on Fourth of July. So, well, there you go. Have fun, folks. I don't know. Do do, do like try to remember what the day is about. <laughs> That's Besides right. blowing stuff up. There you go. All right. Um, this Sunday, we had a student interview with um, some of the kids that went on mission trip. And yes. uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. What did you find kind of most interesting about the conversation on Sunday? I liked, one, I mean, these these kids, and I'm sure if we had, you know, like we had, what, four up there? Yeah, it was all. Uh, so th- they're a good representation of, of the whole group. What I'm impressed about with the youth group is we have – Many of the kids um, are able to, you know, be confident in, in front of a group. And even if they don't want to say a lot of mm-hmm. things, um, when they do speak, they speak with clarity and with with thoughtful intention. And so I appreciate mm. that about about our kids because um, one, it you don't have to be, you know, necessarily an old person to to or, you know to feel comfortable around people most people have fear of getting up and speaking in front of, of other people and so um, kudos to anyone who tries to do that but the really the the one of the things that I enjoyed the, a little bit of the conversation was about the syncretism mm. that specifically your group when you yeah. guys were at pastor chug chug I kept calling him Krug because <laughs> Krug Park I think. <laughs> is that like C C H U G yep Okay, and then his wife's name was uh, Karen. Okay, Karen, and and he was or is still a pastor up there. And so he, yeah, uh, Calvary, Calvary Christian Chapel. Fellowship. Oh, okay. and it is a Calvary Chapel Sweet. church. Yeah. Okay, and so you know, obviously, he's put a lot of, of thought into mm. where he stands on his cultures, um, how, how they use their traditions, mm-hmm. their native traditions, and how um, he recognizes that there is. Um, idolatrous worship that can be involved mm-hmm. in in those ceremonies. Yeah. And and so I usually when talking about that, I, I would defer to someone like like sure. Chug who's like, that was his people. He knows yeah. the syncretism in their culture. So I can appreciate that he was willing to share that with with the kids in your group and to give his thoughts on that. I'm sure it's not a popular stand with people around the reservation? I, You know, it's it's hard to kind of tell. I mean, because uh, so back in, I think, 2000 or something, a group of pastors, and I don't know if it was just amongst the Lakota uh-huh. um, or if there was a bigger tribe, they actually put together a full, like, document on um, proclaiming the gospel and practices and things that they, they wouldn't do, but also honoring mm. uh, pieces of the culture that were, uh, I think, emulated yeah. uh, God's character and, mm. and biblical values and things of that nature. And so it was a well-written thing with a number of articles, and he gave, yeah. uh, I think, me and Ben a, a copy of that, which I, I read over. And so, you know, it was it's uh, it's been a bigger discussion, gotcha. um, I think, for, for decades. Um, and so I think for him... It's difficult because you have. I mean, so I I grew up and got saved in like YWAM circles, okay. and that whole philosophy of missions of redeeming culture mm. is big okay. in them, and yeah. it's it's one that I f- probably fundamentally disagree with now. Mm. Um, going, you know, there are. I think there are beautiful aspects of every ethnicity, culture, language mm. um, that we can enjoy and partake. But again, I. I think the Deuteronomy 32 would suggest that when God scattered the nations, he handed them over to dark spiritual powers. And so some aspect of every culture is rooted in, mm. uh, again, a rebellion against God from from the garden in the outset of the early chapters of Genesis. And sure. so I think that acknowledgement has left me to go, 
we got we just got to be careful and that's put up a mirror because we all live in a culture we all do sure and and, and I, sure. I think all of them are, are yeah. shaped uh, in a certain way absolutely um but I think in a day and age in which we live, it that's a difficult thing to say generally. Yeah, yeah. Especially to groups of people who've been <laughs> oppressed, abused, <laughs> sure, like all of those sure. things. And so that's yeah. where I'm really glad yeah. that God has raised up right. a person from um, that tribe to be able to voice those things and be a voice for the gospel yeah. in a way that, again, you and I would uh, be more problematic. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think it's it's uh, overly popular. Um, because sometimes, again, there have been times where uh, examples he gave is at funerals that he wouldn't let the drum circles happen oh, okay. um, because of yeah. what that symbolizes and means. And so I think there were people in the community that wanted to celebrate or honor certain people. Sure. And, he go, and, and there were t- there like during their their service, he said, N- you, you know, you can't do that here. And again, there'd be another opportunity for them to do that, but sure. he did not want it to conflate with the gospel. And so yeah. it wasn't like, oh, don't do that. Yeah. It was like, hey, we're doing a Christian service and that won't be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think they've uh, sure. figured out how to try to, to do it appropriately. And there are certain things they will be involved in and certain things that they won't. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, they haven't done like a necessarily a wholesale thing. Yeah. Uh, but it really is as you get in and understand what all of those, it reminded me of the, the, just that, that symbols, whether it's something that we look at or ceremonies that we do, there's meaning behind them. Sure. And to just be mindful of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, because I, I think so often we get into just doing rote things. And yeah. So it was he. It was a very fascinating conversation to see them just going. And, and their heart is don't. We want the gospel to take root and the Lakota people to follow passionately after Jesus. Yeah. For other people to come in and do things that's actually going to compromise that, they mm. were. That's why I think they wanted to voice those things because it's a heart of love. Yeah. And if someone's living under, um, again the the kingdom of darkness, yeah. and again subjected to dark spiritual powers, death or whatever, what we don't want to do is say, "Oh, you're okay," because that's not a real loving thing to do. And I think that's what really came out in my time with him. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, fa- we had some fascinating discussions. I wish everybody could sit around and just talk to him for a yeah. while. Did um, he talk about maybe like a resistance to the gospel that's tied to the idea that when the when when we were expanding westward as a nation, that it was done under the guise of basically providential, like you know, we're. I mean, did did he t- kind of talk about sort of hard feelings that are rooted in the past because it would have been white Christians who would have come in. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's clearly um, part of the that, resistance. that makes it difficult in that, right, when you're, when you're talking about um, the g- abandoning of, of your worship and your culture for, for who? For Jesus or yeah. for this white Christianity? Yeah, yeah. yeah so differentiating between gotcha. that is, is tough. Sure. And I think there's a bad taste. And then he said one of the other major problems, and the thing he asked me to pray for most was... Uh, biblically sound pastors. Yeah, yeah. Um, he okay. said because prosperity gospel, word of faith movement. Sure. Um, like, there's a lot of things. So they they have to be on guard against that. Just oh, they. As much. Oh, yeah. No, and he said, <laughs> and crazy. those are the things that are really wow. um, kind of popular sure. waves of Christianity aren't a, a, a true one. Yeah. And so whether it is the syncretism or this idea of just mm. follow God and be blessed or yeah. whatever it is, he goes, it's not like a, the true gospel needs to be witnessed to my people. And yeah. so that was really the. The concern, and so I, for him, it was that a faithful gospel, whether mm. it was syncretism, whether it was prosperity gospel, whether sure. it was that was the thing he's combating. And again, there's multiple attacks on that. Which, again, I think for all Christians everywhere, that's probably true. But yeah. in talking sure. to him, there's something about stepping into a different context where mm. those things feel a little clearer. Yeah. And then I come home, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've uh, where have I not been resisting this in my own context? Yeah, but. yeah, because I I appreciated that challenge because it's uh it, it's it's easier for me to talk about how other people <laughs> sure sync, do syncretism with their faith and you know and other cultures and things like that. Uh, like I appreciate the idea, like the the turtle. How you talk about that. was yeah. it the turtle? Yeah, like symbolizes long life yeah. and how like they're not resistant against everything because sure. like we look in our culture and we like we have eagles on everything right yeah. because it symbolizes freedom is that wrong no it's not wrong um you know but it's like to what extent do we take 
the different things that are not harmful, but then make them right. a part of the guy. I mean, the the Declaration of Independence. I mean, yeah. it's it's a document that there's there's so much good yeah. that has come from that, and good that I've benefited from. Um, but then there's also a caution that even with with the the good things that humanity has created. They're, they're not divine, you know, mm-hmm. and and so yeah. For every culture, I think that was a good way to close it out. Was for us as non-natives sure. to look within, and money specifically is it's it's that whole idea that we worship the created things rather yeah. than the creator. And I mean that that hits home for me. It's so you know, easy to make so. that only about like turning an eagle into like a spirit being <laughs> sure. that, you know, yeah. or whatever. And right. again, for actually for the Lakota, that's one of the things he said with the eagle feather. Mm. It actually is in their wow. culture. Wow. That, that that could be yeah. uh, an, an actual idol of in spiritual worship sure. for them. Yeah. Whereas again, for our context, maybe not so much, but yeah. man, when you talk about materialism <laughs> yeah. and the self, and it's weird because yeah. because we've taken out the supernatural element for us it's i think that's one of the enemy's best tactics so is mm. now so what he basically did was dissociate that kind of worship with the supernatural but you're still worshiping it and by the way he's still empowering it whether you acknowledge that he's behind it crazy yeah yeah um and so again it's why on on black friday people will kill each other for television if you don't think that that's not demonically empowered i don't know what is right because you just watch that and i'm just watching the frenzy and i go it's just amazing. Yeah. That, to me, I'm seeing dark the, spiritual the powers. The spirit of greed that, that is yeah. just pulling the strings and we're just going along with it. Yeah. But yeah. man. For the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our pr- my right to this TV. <sighs> yeah, and it can go it can go wrong. So yeah, that was a real fun uh, conversation. Again, for our group in particular, was I think powerful for our kids because I don't think they had thought much about it. Yeah. And there was this moment when we were at the powwow where um, like Miss Lakota of the tribe like mm-hmm. comes over and uh, invited our group to participate. And okay. I think you could tell that the group had heard these things from Karen and Chug. Were real. They didn't. Get so it was. Them. Was it mainly your group that was with Karen and Chug that had sort of the yes those because conversations. the rest of them didn't have those didn't, conversations. No. And, and so it was fun talking to Miranda because she's uh-huh. at the youth center and they're so they're talking about the powwow and different things. Yeah. And even for the Lakota people, I think this spiritual element is mm. lost a little bit. It's gotcha. become a cultural thing that they do. Sure. And I think for Karen and Chug, it's going even if people don't. Mm acknowledge it or see it or do that as much for those reasons doesn't mean that those those again if we acknowledge that those spiritual powers can be very real things um it, that it isn't there and so for us even sure. though people are materialists like i'm open to these dark spiritual powers empowering our greed and yeah. uh they're they're there and i think so i don't know that there's right answers on these it was just really fun conversation and yeah. to see our kids wrestle through them yeah which was really cool. And so, again, how do you navigate for a people who mm. might not even be doing it for those reasons anymore, but, again, for the sake of not losing a culture that was, yeah. again, beaten out of them, like, you know, taught, I don't know, it's rough. Yeah. And, again, a violent yeah. version of Christian. I won't even call it Christianity, like a, a, a violent, oppressive philosophy came across under the guise of Christianity mm. and made this conversation a whole lot more difficult. Yeah, I hear you. Well, and it makes me think like 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 Pastor Chug for him to to stand up and say what he says, it's not an easy message to his own people and so likewise for for us in our own culture um whether you know so we're we're speaking primarily primarily to to euro descent, it's it's mm-hmm. up to us to speak to our people and proclaim the gospel to them and for my black friends, um they're going to do a better job at at Hopefully, preaching the gospel of of the cross and taking yeah. up your cross to the and so you know it's it's really incumbent upon all of us to to know what culture we belong to not not so not so that we can just be a part of it mindlessly but so that we can from within our culture um, hopefully carry the cross and and share that message of of what the gospel is within within that culture yeah. and and hopefully see. Uh, the Lord do some things, you know. Well, and those have been the most powerful people for me is people who are so moved by the gospel that they're critiquing kind of, again, the 
the the people and the culture. Yeah. Again, whether that's a subculture or we mean that like an ethnic or whatever um, type of thing, it's right. just it's it's powerful when someone because it's so easy to have again a black pastor talk sure. to all the white people about how you don't acknowledge these things. Right. And guess what? Yeah. <laughs> how many white people are just tuning that out? Yeah. Because yeah. or whatever. But yeah. it's like it's like okay. No, I need to go and actually critique the the people that I'm a part of and show yeah. how that doesn't line up with the gospel, sure. and vice versa. Vice you versa, know? yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's and it's interesting that you'll see like Peter and dealing with even people who are mm. again slaves in there. A lot of times, his challenge to them is to yeah to again encourage one another to endure that well mm. for the sake of the testimony to the to the their masters, which is. We talk about verses we don't really want to talk sure. about much. I yeah. mean, but there's some messiness. Um, but but there's a power in that. Yeah. Uh, to where even people who are oppressed and hurting can look at themselves and go, "Yeah, but are we living out gospel principles to their fullest?" Mm-hmm. And and starting always starting there, always yeah. starting with with who I am as an individual, but yeah. also the people I'm most like. Yeah. Before I go start critiquing everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Judgment starts in the house <laughs> of right. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Power, yeah. Powerful conversations, and again, I don't know if uh, I came away with a bunch of answers, but it was just it raised some issues that I needed to to continue to think more deeply through. Yeah, I mean that's a mission trip that I know the one that I was on last year. We didn't have to wrestle with really going into a different culture, culture sure, because really the town Benton Harbor was basically St. Joseph, Missouri up in Michigan (laughs) because the St. Joseph up in Michigan was nothing like St. Joe here. It was a, it was a beach tourist Mm. place. And so you go into Benton Harbor and it's like the same things that we were helping out with there in Benton Harbor. We got right here in St. Joe, Missouri. (laughs) Well, and it was really funny. Like, I don't think on the day to day that we really probably encountered much either. Mm, It was people who were dealing with issues uh, like of of poverty and and needing stuff done. Sure. And extreme up there. Absolutely. Um, But a lot of it wasn't necessarily navigating. Mm. Um, I didn't sense as much tensions over some of those things that that I would have anticipated. Sure. Because um, when we went to Dairy Queen one time, I had my I think I had my Chiefs. Um, oh, oh. And it was it was, and she's like, "Oh, that's my favorite team." I love it. I love like, it. It wasn't like ah, oh, like, the, whatever. It's so funny. No, how, yeah. yeah, no, I was. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> that's great. I love it. And so, it, it, like that standpoint, it, like it was a reminder that like we're humans. Yeah, right. We yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and that that came out too. And yeah. I, again, I think there's beautiful nuance and <laughs> I, appreciating diversity is a great thing. Yeah. But I think it right. came out as much for me too that like there are a lot of things that um, that humans experience yeah. um, every day, and right. we can all have empathy for one another, which yeah. was really great. That's good. That's good. Um. Wow. Yeah. I don't, anything else we want to talk about there? No, I think. I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead, and you can you can find the the service on on YouTube, and you can watch that discussion with uh, some of those kids. And I, I like what you, what you said. Hey, if if you know any of the the, the kids in the youth group or any of the other um, the, the the adult sponsors, or whatever, yeah. and you're sitting around church around a table, ask them about their experiences Absolutely. and what, what they did. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah. New G coming this Sunday? Yeah, you don't want to miss that. It's gonna feel, it's gonna feel like Easter on Sunday. We're gonna yeah. have to pull out some extra chairs. So it's sermon and song, love, L O V E. It's gonna be man. I love it. I can't wait. I'm jazzed for it because this is my first uh, service at Wyatt Park with New G. I've been gone the last two summers uh, when, when they've been there. So in, in our worship service, so I'm, I'm yeah. I think excited. this is my because I I was here after yep. they got here last year. Yep. So. I did get to go see other them. venues. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. So, it'll be great. Well, folks, beware yeah. the bears. Yeah, grace and peace. <laughs>